0: Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cool Cullen, Dear draw the sorrows, Grown, you wail. From giants right down to fairies, of the drooping and solitary. And who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 79 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast we're telling a story about a devoted friend, or is he really such a devoted friend after all? But first, I want to give a big welcome and a thank you to any new listeners. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so, so much for your continued support. Please do continue to leave reviews and ratings and subscriptions wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at firesidebard if you want to get in touch with me. Or if you're not on Instagram, you can contact me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast, where you can join our ever-growing group of very loyal and generous benefactors and so so unbelievably grateful i am to each and every one of them as indeed i am to each and every one of you who even listens to the podcast because the patreon is there as an egalitarian model only if you want to support it financially if you're in a position to and want to but if not i am just delighted that you're listening to this and if you are enjoying it tell tell someone else about it why don't you if you want to share it out in another way but it is not going to stop my output at all I am still enjoying doing this podcast each and every week, only more and more the more it grows and the more the listenership grows and the more I hear from all of you about what you like about the podcast and how in even a small way if it has been getting you through the recent recent uncertainty and the recent hard times that have been in the... uh, In the coronavirus lockdown which thankfully is now phase by phase easing certainly here in Ireland and hopefully easing for good and that we won't all have to go back in. But I will tell you something, uh, I realised today how much my mind has been messing with me is because this episode that you're listening to right now, this will come out tomorrow um, as in the next day after I'm recording this it was recorded a day in advance but i actually recorded another episode yesterday i recorded the episode you'll listen to after this yesterday i recorded eighty without there having been a seventy-nine and i don't know how it happened Uh, well i suppose i do know how it happened corona covid is how it happened i've been in Such a routine. I'm still in my home setup here in Wicklow. I haven't moved back up to Dublin, up to the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studio. And... Folks who know the pattern or the kind of rhythm of this podcast will know that I go but alternate between folk tales and myths on alternating weeks. And the an easy way to remember is always that the even numbers are always myths and the odd numbers are always folk tales because folk tales are odd, uh, is a reason I'm going to call it right now. So the for lack of a mythology for the last while, because we've come to our current end of the four cycles of the Irish mythology, we've been doing what I've been calling the Wild Cycle, where we've been doing a cycle of Oscar Wilde fairy tales, or rather my own versions or my adaptations of the Wild Tales. And when you listen to eighty, you will hear me talk about this story, The Devoted Friend, despite the fact that I never recorded the episode. Because I write these scripts ahead of time, so I wrote this script and obviously in the back of my mind thought, yeah, I must have recorded it. So that's why you will notice that it'll go, you know, wild story, folktale, wild story, folktale, and then it'll go two folktales in a row and then two wild stories in a row. Totally my own fault and uh, could have could have really upset the feng shui, the rhythm of the podcast. But I think if I record this one now and McCoy release this one this week and then episode 80 comes back, we'll reset ourselves and be back Hopefully nobody, none of you will notice this. Well, you will once you listen to this. Um, but it was very, it was very confusing to get a to contact from uh, Jamie, my editor, today to let me know that I'd called this week's episode eighty when it's not, and I had a real, just frightening moment. I said, "What? How did? How did that even happen? How did I have a memory of it?" And it just shows the the cabin fever and the routine. And you know the restrictions restrictions have been e- easing. Like I've been out. I was actually like in Dublin at the weekend for the first time, really since the lockdown began, or since I was able to go up. You know, uh, but we're correcting the tale now. And I wouldn't mind. But this story is actually one I really, really like, or that really affected me. Uh, affected me so much I completely forgot to do it. But we're doing it now. And I hope you all enjoy it. We'll chat a bit more about it. This is The Devoted Friend by Oscar Wilde on Fireside. The Devoted Friend A mother duck was trying to teach her babies the benefits of being able to stand on their heads in the water. If you don't know how, she cautioned, you'll never become respectable members of society. But the ducklings were young and impetuous, and what did their mother know? The rules that applied to her didn't apply to them. The usual. A water rat had been skulking and peering nearby, and he found the entire scenario incredibly amusing. (laughs) You're wasting your time, he said. They'll never learn until it's too late. You'd be better off drowning them here and now to save the trouble. You're obviously not a family rat, are you? was the curt reply of the mother duck. A parent can never be too patient. Certainly I'm not a family rat, replied the water rat proudly. I've dozens of brothers and sisters, and I've always found the whole concept of furthering a line grossly overrated. Just a lot of egotism, narcissism, and a denial of one's death. Friendship. "'On the other hand, now there is something to devote one's life to. "'There is nothing I value in this world more than a devoted friend.' "'A green linnet bird was perched overhead and had also been listening. "'And what, may I ask, do you consider to be the duties of a devoted friend?' she asked. "'Well.' Obviously a devoted friend should be devoted to me Yes And what do you give in return? I'm afraid I don't understand the question Said the water rat I thought you might not If I may I'd like to tell you a story Of a real devoted friend I'd certainly like to hear it Said the mother duck Me too Said the water rat From the name of the story, it sounds as if it is a story about me. I like it already. The linnet bird sighed and began her tale. Once there was a poor little man called Hans. Poor as he was, he lived on his own, in his own cottage, and in front he had cultivated the most magnificent garden. In the blooming seasons, little hands would take these flowers to the market, where folks from all around the town would admire and buy them. The winters were always hard, but little hands made just about enough in the spring and summer to see him through, and he went through his life with a contented and appreciative smile. His skill as a gardener, coupled with his pleasant, kind, and humble nature, assured that little Hans had many friends, but none were more devoted than Hugh the Miller. The Miller lived in a much larger house, high on a hill, which cast a shadow over little Hans' cottage. He had a wife and children and a booming business, but still one of his greatest sources of pride was his friendship with little Hans'. In bloom, the miller would visit the gardener nearly every day. They would talk about what good friends they were, and the miller would always return home with beautiful flowers for his wife. But the year of this story, there was a particularly harsh winter. It would remind one of the eternal winter that gripped the garden of the selfish giant. The miller never visited little hands during the winter. He knew the winter was a very hard time for a gardener, And his thought was, when one is going through such a hard time, they shouldn't be bothered by guests. The miller's naive young son, who did not yet understand his father's true value of friendship, said at the warm embrace of the fire one night, Could we not invite little Hans to stay with us? We have so much room to spare. "'Certainly not,' replied his shocked father. "'If I were to invite little Hans here for the winter, "'he may become jealous of all that we have. "'And I will not allow jealousy to ruin my friendship. "'It is far too important to me. "'Furthermore, if little Hans were to come here, "'he may ask for some grain on tick, "'and as Polonius says, "'neither a borrower nor a lender be.' "'I would not subjugate Little Hands to being a borrower or a lender. "'I value his friendship far too much.' "'How thoughtful you are,' said the miller's wife. "'The son had been firmly put in his place, and he began to cry. "'The winter finally passed, and one morning the miller awoke with vigour and said, "'I feel enough time has passed. Today I will visit my friend Little Hands.' ''Oh, you are so considerate,'' said his wife. ''I'll give you a large basket to bring back some fresh primroses from his garden.'' ''What a splendid idea. Little Hans would love that. He loves giving me primroses because I'm his best friend.'' Armed with a basket more suitable for carrying a large baby than an assortment of flowers... The miller happily walked down the hill to the tiny cottage of his best friend. Aptly, little Hans was working away in his garden when the miller arrived. Hello, Hans. How are you? How was the winter? Oh, I am very well. Thank you so much for asking. I have no complaints now that the spring has come. Tomorrow... "'I will bring these primroses to market "'and will have enough to buy back my wheelbarrow.' "'Good Lord, little hands," said the miller, "'why would a gardener so willingly part with his wheelbarrow? "'That was careless of you.' "'It was not so much willing as it was necessity. "'With no income in the winter months, "'I had to sell my wheelbarrow. "'I also had to sell a silver chain, my good pipe, And even the silver buttons off my coat. But tomorrow I will be able to buy them all back at last. Oh, Hans, perish the thought. I will give you my wheelbarrow. And then you can save your money to buy back your other possessions. You're... you're not... really? Oh, no, I I couldn't accept. I insist. I know it is incredibly generous of me, but you are my best friend, and such is my devotion that I will give you my cherished wheelbarrow. I haven't used it in some time. It is in much need of repair. The whole left side is missing and the wheel is chipped, but I will part with it none the less. I bought a brand new one for Christmas anyway. Little Hans was overjoyed. "'Oh, thank you so much, my dear, dear friend. "'A repair will be no problem. "'I have a plank of wood in the house that will do just the job.' "'A plank of wood!' cried the miller. "'Just the thing I need. "'I have a hole in the roof of my barn from the winter months, "'and a plank of wood will cover it perfectly. "'This is just what the Eastern philosophers mean by karma.' "'What goes around comes around. "'I am giving you my wheelbarrow. "'You will give me that plank of wood.' "'Little Hans could not parry that logic "'and obediently went into his cottage "'to retrieve the piece of wood. "'Oh, it's not very big,' "'said the disappointed miller when he saw the piece. "'I am afraid that once I repair my roof "'there will be none left for the wheelbarrow, "'but naturally enough that is not my fault.' Of course not, agreed little Hans. And since I am giving you my wheelbarrow, I know that you would love to fill up this basket with your beautiful primroses. Fill the basket, said a worried little Hans. Nearly the contents of the garden would fit in the basket before him. If he filled it, he would not have enough to bring to market and could not buy back his silver buttons. But every cloud, he thought, the year was young, and the miller was giving him his wheelbarrow, and he would be able to grow many more flowers. He would sow more the next day. So little hands filled the basket, and the miller thanked him and returned home. The next morning, the miller walked down his hill with a large sack of flour. "'Good morning, little hands. Can you bring this sack of flour with you to market today?' I actually hadn't planned on going to market today anymore. He no longer had anything to sell. I will be quite busy in the garden today. Oh, really, little Hans, that is so careless of you to just change your plans like that. I thought, because I am giving you my wheelbarrow, you would gladly take my flower to market, but clearly you are not as devoted a friend as I am. Oh, no, don't say a thing like that. You are my best friend. I'll take it straight away. The market was far, and the flowers heavy, and by the time little Hans had gone there and back again, it was too late, and he was too tired to garden any more. When the miller came down the hill the next morning to collect the money for the flour, little Hans was still in bed. The miller banged on the door. Little Hans! You should not be so lazy and sleep the day away when there are things to be doing. It's important I tell you these things. After all, I am your friend. If I were not, I would only say nice things to you. But a best friend must tell you the truth. Oh, thank you for your concern. I won't let it happen again. Think no more of it, little hands. It is my duty as your best friend. Now... Today, I need you to repair the roof of my barn. Little Hans really, really needed to work in the garden that day. He had no flowers, and now nothing new planted. There was not even a prospect of income. He said meekly to the miller, Do you. do you think it would be awful of me if I said I was too busy? Busy? "'No, I wouldn't think you awful. "'You are my best friend, but clearly I am not yours. "'I am going to give you my wheelbarrow. "'I would have thought that you would have wanted to help out such a friend.' "'A best friend,' said a guilt racked little Hans, "'and he went with the miller up the hill and began to repair his roof. "'Have you finished that roof yet, little Hans?' said the miller later that evening. "'Just about.' "'said the happy little Hans. "'I see the smile on your face. "'There truly is nothing that brings out more joy "'than the work one does for others. "'That is the true key to happiness.' "'You are so stoic and wise,' said little hands admirably. "'I don't know if I will ever be like that.' "'In time you will, my friend, I guarantee it. "'Do you really think so?' "'Oh, yes.' Now you better be off home. Tomorrow I need you to take my sheep up the mountain. And so it went. Every day little Hans would settle to tend his garden, and every day the miller would come down the hill with a task to be done. The strain was too much for little Hans. His flowers were dead, dying, or not even born, for not even having been planted. But every day the miller would say such wonderful things about their friendship, which little Hans wrote down and reread every night. He took solace that, My best friend is going to give me his wheelbarrow, which is the purest act of generosity I have ever received. That is much more important than money, or gardening, or eating. But one dreadful stormy night, a knock came on little Hans' door. It was, of course, his best friend, the miller. "'Little Hans, it's my son. He's become very ill. He needs a doctor. I would go myself, but I am needed by his bedside. Also, it is very wet outside, and I thought, since I am giving you my wheelbarrow—' "'Of course,' said Little Hans, "'I'll leave right away. But it is so dark. May I borrow your lantern for the journey?' The miller looked at the lantern. Oh, I don't think so. This lantern is brand new, little Hans. I would be very sad if anything happened to it. You should keep it so, agreed Hans, and he donned his still buttonless coat and went for the doctor. The doctor said he would leave at once and he would ride his horse, but with his medical equipment there was no room on the horse for little Hans, so the devoted friend had to walk back home. However, in the dark and the wet and the wind, the gardener lost his way. He fell into a river, and Little Hans drowned. All of his many, many friends attended the funeral of Little Hans, but chief among the mourners was his best friend, the miller. The saddened man gave this moving eulogy. The death of my best friend, Little Hans has had a profound impact on me. He is a great loss to many, but most of all, a great loss to me. Why, I was just about to give him my wheelbarrow, and now it will sit gathering more and more cobwebs. It's totally in the way, and in such disrepair I could not even give it away. But the lesson I have learned... "'is not to part with one's possession so lightly. "'One always suffers for being generous.' "'Well?' said the water rat after a long pause. "'What happened next?' "'That's the end of the story,' said the linnet bird. "'But what about the miller?' "'I don't know, and I don't really care.' "'For one with so little empathy, it's no wonder your story was so dreadful.' "'Excuse me?' "'It was awful,' said the water rat. "'And you began at the beginning. "'Everyone knows that stories nowadays should begin at the end, "'then to the beginning, and finish in the middle. "'It's so unpredictable.' "'The linnet stared for a moment. "'I don't know why I'm surprised.' But you have totally missed the moral of the story. The what? The moral. The water rat was appalled. Good God, I hate stories with morals. Stories should just distract and entertain. There should never be a point. I would never have sat so long had I known your story had a moral. And the water rat scurried off in disgust. What's eating him? the duck asked the linnet bird. I told him the story had a moral. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. People don't like to hear stories with morals. They feel they're being attacked. Oscar Wilde agreed with the duck. And so do I. Do you? The end. And that is the story of the Devoted Friend on Fireside. And the balance is complete again. So yes, you've just heard me. Now when you listen to episode 80, when you hear the story of the Remarkable Rocket, and you hear me talking in the past tense about the Devoted Friend, you can take solace in the knowledge that I am talking about a thing that had not happened yet, but has happened now. This has gone... This is the first time we have truly introduced an aspect of time travel into Fireside. What a time to be alive. But let's talk a bit about this story before before we wrap things up because that actually was a long enough tale. Um, this story really, really bothers me. It's, it really upsets me, to be honest. Um, more than any of the other wild stories, certainly like while it may not be as, you know, perfect a story as the happy prince or the selfish giant or as imaginative of those it's a lot more traditional. This seems much more like a grim tale than the traditional elements of Oscar Wilde, but where it is incredibly wild in you know, besides the the wit of it, um is of course as I've talked about throughout these the current of selfishness, the theme of selfishness that pervades all of these wild stories for children that he wrote for his own tales, that he wrote for his own kids. He read these to his own children. It was obviously a thing he was obsessed with or certainly valued. He either was worried that he suffered from it greatly or saw it immensely in society and thought that it was this incredibly important thing to teach children about selfishness. But this story... Again, read the real one. Real, read the real wild story. It's written far better than I, I could hear. But again, I could just, I do my own versions of these so that they, I read them in my voice and that I take on the story. I collect the story that bit more. But, God damn it! Like this is a story that is basically told entirely with its tongue in cheek, Wild never comes down hard on the miller and he never, like, obviously there's no comeuppance of any kind. There's not even any comeuppance for the water rat. The water rat goes off thinking he's right. And I suppose Wilde's point is that this is the way of the world that, you know, versus traditional fairy tales, there very often isn't justice for people who take advantage like this but I suppose why this story really resonates with me so much is I would consider myself someone who would value friendship, uh, on, uh, certainly on a par with love. I have very, very dear friends and I've I've worked very hard on my friendships in the past. You know, friendships, friendships do come and go, you know, naturally and unnaturally and you know things happen and people drift and people get closer but friendships really are a thing that you know you get as much as you put in and i think there's certainly it's certainly a thing i saw with a lot of my friends when i was younger certainly as i saw people who would get into maybe their first serious relationship and then all of their friends would fall to the wayside and then that relationship might end and then you find that person had to rebuild a lot of their friendship or uh, couples that stayed together you know who were together for a number of years and then but had poured themselves into each other and poured each other into the relationship and then found that neither of them had any friends because they'd already invested so much into each other and not enough time into their friends so it's something i would pride in my current relationship and in past relationships and certainly uh it's a it's a thing on both sides of my of of my relationship with my with my girlfriend is that uh, we both value friendship immensely and i think it's i think it's incredibly important and it's certainly a thing that i talk about immensely with my friends and so yeah it's and it's been a thing i've valued a good long while like always uh, but certainly in the last few years more and more i've put more and more work i feel into Into certain relationships. Of course there's relationships that are. Friendships that I haven't. That I haven't made as much effort as I could have. Um, Just like there are people. There are friends I have who haven't made as much of an effort. As they could have with me. And that happens as well. I'm well aware of that. But with certain friendships. You know where it is worth it. And when it does happen. You do get out of what you put in. And. What I'm trying to say here is. That yeah this. Story really hits home hard with me because I would talk a lot. I would talk a big game about friendship. And that makes me feel like the Miller in this story because that might not be enough. I think I do do more of that, more than that. I would certainly like to think I'm not selfish like the Miller, certainly not to that degree where just talking about friendship and... Not actually giving any yourself is you convince yourself that that's enough, you know, where you just say, oh, we're such great friends and you just take, 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 take. I think it's a very, very strong message from Wild here that's really, yeah, that is a bit of a takes the wind. But this, to read it, to write it and even to perform it here really like angered me this story really really upsets me little hands dies you know and he takes it all lying down he does everything for this guy because he totally manipulates him with the promise of a shit I'm sorry and I try not to swear on this podcast but an awful for the broken wheelbarrow that he doesn't even give him and he doesn't even need (sighs) poor little hands and there's no justice at all He's the chief mourner at his funeral, and even it's a. We have another thing here. We have a framing device. We have very rarely framing devices in these stories. Usually, the podcast part is the framing device, but we have this me telling a story about a water rat, a duck, and a linnet bird, and the linnet bird who tells a story about a miller and a gardener, and then you come back out again. I'm sure there's people who, uh, when we went back to the the water rat and the linnet bird at the end. We're possibly going, what? What is happening? What happened here? What happened to the miller? And we don't know. He probably lived happily ever after. Screw him. But yeah, I. it makes me think a lot about as well. In the last, kind of since Christmas, um, I started doing a lot of meditation, with, uh, which is something I had never really had a huge amount of experience for. But again, my best friend uh got me into it um i do the sam harris app the waking up app uh which is incredible it's guided meditation um there's a fifty day course where you do it ten minutes a day for fifty days and then you can do and then like the idea is to keep doing it every day you can do it for ten minutes twenty minutes you can do guided meditation you can do your own um, there are loads of Loads of lessons. He does lots of theory. He has a podcast as well, which I think is called Waking Up Now as well, or it was called Waking Up. Um, I forget the name of it. And um, but it's it's wonderful. He's he's incredible. Um, if you if you're interested in meditation, haven't given it a go before, I really recommend it. It was really for me, certainly. You know, it's not for everyone, but it was really for me because I found it was very, it was a very practical practical approach to meditation um and from a real kind of neuroscience point of view rather than yeah I, d- I don't know I, d- I don't know what I thought I had a perception of meditation where you know it was just kind of sitting and trying to clear your mind and all and I kind of hope not like connected it more with an idea of spirituality rather than um a more scientific way which Sam Harris, and there, there definitely is a bit of spirituality imbued in it, if that is more your thing. But uh, you can do a thirty day trial for it. This is not a sponsored. This is not a sponsored episode. God, I wish an episode was sponsored by Sam Harris. But my point was, um, in meditation, he taught in the meditation he talks an awful lot about uh, metta, which is a Sanskrit term for loving kindness, and he practices. In the meditation sessions, he practices thinking about someone that you want to be happy that's not you, you know, someone that it's easy for you to wish happiness upon, and just to try and think of moments throughout the day where you could maybe make more of an effort in that relationship. It might be a relationship you're making a lot of effort in already, or it might not, but just to have in your mind when you're having interactions with that person whether that be your family or friend your partner where you might be a little bit shorter with them or a bit more closed off just having those even couple of moments even if it's just one moment a day where you think what more could I give to this relationship and that is another thing that really struck with me in the devoted friend in this story here this seems like this was Oscar Wilde having a very very like having over a hundred years ago uh, it's like meta was his point here was was the moral of this story is that you might think that someone is your best friend but you might be doing nothing for them you might just be asking everything of them and these are folk tales you know I don't do fables I don't really do moral tales my tales the only moral of the stories I do is usually don't mess with the fairies but this is one with quite a strong message and I really like it. I think it's it's definitely the most powerful. Of all the wild stories I feel. I think. Uh, again I think. Happy Prince and Selfish Giant. Are still probably better stories. Um, Image wise and everything. But in terms of an effect on me. This certainly hit home the most. And. Oh god this is a long episode. And this was a bonus episode essentially. But I hope you enjoyed it. The clocks have been realigned the timelines have been realigned next week next week you will hear what i recorded yesterday next week we will have the remarkable rocket we will have the finale of the wild cycle the fifth and final tale from the happy prince and other stories uh, the final of my adaptations of these at least and then we will be moving on to our new uncharted territory very excited for the direction that the podcast is going in very excited for to have a couple of announcements again now that we're all back in each other's lives so thank you so much for Jamie, particularly this week for letting me know and particularly for the double, the double load he'll have to do of now of editing two podcasts in one week. Uh, thanks so much to Alan and Patty at Headstuff. Can't wait to be back in the studio with you guys. And thank you all so much, you the listeners, for keeping to support and listening to this podcast. I'll see you all, you'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.